0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord, Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask. Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying it is he others were saying no, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes. Then I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight And asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him. You were born entirely in sins, And are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. The gospel
1: of the Lord. Some Sundays, the preacher is blessed with too much text. <laughs> it seems like it goes on forever. This is, uh, is difficult, partly because John is not an easy gospel to read. So I want to say just a couple of things about uh, John as, uh, as we lead into this uh, story about the man born blind. First of all, one of the things that I think is helpful for us to understand is that uh, Jesus many times acted out parables. Uh, We hear from the Belgian uh, Dominican scholar Edward Skillebeck saying that Jesus not only told parables, he was a parable. And that's important, I think, to keep in mind because Jesus many times doesn't explain himself, just like the parables don't explain themselves. In John, there is a pattern that uh, exists with regard to the seven miracles that occur in John and often referred to as signs. And it's the presentation of the sign in the case of the story we have today is this story about the man born blind. Then there's a dialogue that follows that. And then after that is an interpretation. Now, in this case, we get the first two of that pattern. We get the, uh, the sign and we get the, the dialogue, but we don't get We got all that scripture. We still don't get the interpretation that follows in the next 21 verses. So I hope to draw that together in the course of this sermon because it's very important, I think, in our understanding of what is happening in this particular sign in John. And finally, I want to remind you that John's gospel is filled with metaphors and with symbols. And sometimes that also makes it a bit difficult to get at the heart of what he's saying. Now, turning to the story of the man born blind, Jesus had just narrowly escaped being stoned in the temple before this particular event. So you can imagine it says actually in scripture that he hid. And then he and the disciples must have gone off and into another part of Jerusalem. And as they're walking, they come by a beggar who is blind and he's on the side of the street. Any of you who have uh, lived or worked in large cities have perhaps often had the experience of walking the same route to the office and finding the same beggar there uh, day in and day out week after week. And this must have been the case with this man because he had been blind from birth. So perhaps many people had numbly walked by him and not really seen him because he had been there for so many years. But Jesus stopped and the disciples stopped with him. But instead of addressing the the blind man, they talk about him. And then the disciples start to raise questions of theology. They want to have a theological discussion about sin. Is he the way he is because his parents sinned or because of his sin? And finally, Jesus says, it's not about sin. This man is going to be a sign of God's works. Then Jesus uh, makes a plaster of mud, puts it on the man's eyes and tells him to go to the pool of Siloam and to wash there. That's the last we see of Jesus in this account until the very end of the narrative that we had today. Well, the man does as he's directed and then he goes to his neighbors and the neighbors can't believe this is even the same man. So the first question is, is this the guy who was blind? And there's a big controversy that goes on about whether or not it's the same man. Could he possibly have been healed? And finally, they go to the religious authorities. And it's there that we find out one of the important aspects of the story. It says that it was all happening on the Sabbath. And now the Pharisees begin to ask more questions about how did this happen? And that how question is very important because if Jesus had worked on the Sabbath, then he would have sinned. And how could a sinner do what Jesus was supposed to have done? And so they continue to question the man. He tells them what has happened, but they still don't understand or believe. And then they call his parents. This is a little bit like a Keystone cop routine. This goes on and on. They call the parents in and the parents say, we don't know anything about this. We don't know how it happened. We don't know who did this. Yes, it's our son, but we don't know anything about it. You need to talk to him. He's of age. He can speak for himself. So a second time he is called before the Pharisees and again they question him and finally at this point he seems to have uh, have acquired some boldness and he declares very clearly what had happened to him and who it was that had healed him and they then recognize in him that he is a disciple and in the course of all that he gets a jab in. He says, maybe you want to be one of his disciples, too, even though he knows and they know that the question at hand not only involves Jesus as to whether or not he sinned on the Sabbath, but also if this man is a follower of Jesus, he must be thrown out of the synagogue. And so he is he is cast out. And now Jesus reenters the story. Jesus hears about him being cast out of the synagogue, and Jesus seeks him and finds him. Well, that's essentially what we have in this very rich te- text that we just heard read. The biblical scholar Raymond Brown, I think, helps us a bit by pointing out that the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, remember a couple of weeks back? That story, he says, is about the obstacles encountered. In coming to believe in Jesus on the first encounter, but he says this story about the man born blind is about one who exemplifies being enlightened on that first encounter, but comes to see who Jesus really is only after having lived a difficult and troubled life. And that, it seems, is the case with this man born blind. The pool of Siloam, where he washed. It's also uh, translated the one cent. And in the Johannine tradition, that is, uh, that is a, a signal for Jesus. That pool is also a symbolism of, a symbol of baptism. And most of us who were baptized as babies were baptized without anybody asking us if we wanted to be. And if you think about this story, this blind man was healed without having even asked for healing. It was something that he did not initiate. It was initiated by Jesus. And in the same way that our being brought to be baptized, to be brought into the church, to be washed in the waters of baptism, as a baby, we have nothing to do with that. So I think that that's one of the symbols that we see in this gospel today. Like him, we grow in faith as a result of the challenges in our lives and we struggle finding the reality of what we understand to be our relationship with Christ and our relationship with God It's through those struggles that we really grow in our belief. I think uh, one of the most unfortunate things that can ever be said to someone is become a Christian and your life will be so transformed and so wonderful. It will just be great. Well, it will be transformed, but it will also be a life that continues to be challenged. And that's just part of living the Christian life. In fact, I would say that that's at the heart of it. It's how we respond to the disappointments, to the failures, to the successes in our lives. It's how we respond to all of those things that impinge upon us, that continue to form us and form us as a faithful person. And we see that, I think, in a in somewhat metaphorical way in this, uh, in this uh, challenge that was always before this blind man. How did he do it? Who was it that did it to you? Now, there's another detail that I find uh, very encouraging in this. Remember that the man was thrown out of the synagogue, and that Jesus, when he heard that, sought him out and found him. I think from time to time, all of us feel that we've been cast out. Cast out in having failed in some way, cast out in having been rejected, cast out in relationships, in family and sometimes feeling cast out because of our own sin, because of something we've done that we we really truly feel uh, just terrible about. It's in those moments that Jesus is seeking us out. And the reality is that he will find us. Sometimes we don't realize that he's seeking us out, and sometimes we're not aware of having been found. But often in looking back, we see it again and again. I think that this, in fact, may be the overarching theme of what John is writing in this part of the gospel. This this sign, because the sign begins with the man born blind. There's this discourse where there's all this arguing going on and trying to find out who he is, what he did. And then the 21 verses that we don't have is Jesus describing himself as the good shepherd. And this is the, the verse, verse. These are the verses uh, is from this pa- this passage that we hear the verses often read at funerals. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So in a sense, what all of this is about is about Jesus, the good shepherd, the one who seeks us out, the one whose action precedes our action, the one who is seeking us Whose love for us is so great that, as it says in those other verses, he is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. So I believe that while we start with the the story of a man born blind, what we find is ourselves in the midst of this text of those who are a part of the flock, sometimes who stray away. But Jesus always seeks us out and calls us back. This is the Good Shepherd. This is the one who knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. This is the one who is willing even to die for you and for me. Amen.